Welcome to season six of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your marriage and home. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm a military spouse, clinician, and advocate. And I'm bringing topics that I hear from the service community and counseling room to the podcast. This season, we're talking about what it means to be strong in body, mind, and spirit. And I'm giving you the challenge of rising above your circumstances to become the best version of you. So grab a cup of coffee or head out for that run. We have a lot to talk about. Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Sarah Foster. And if you are wondering right now, where is Corey Weathers? Let me assure you, she will be back. I am taking over the podcast these next few episodes to discuss first responder life. And before you think, well, I'm not a first responder, so I don't really know if this will apply to me. I really just want to encourage you to stick around. I have been a listener of Life Giver for almost four years now. And there have been a lot of episodes that have been very much catered towards um, the military lifestyle as we know, with Corey's background and just the content that she's put out. And as a first responder wife, I have been able to glean so much insight, not only into just the military community, which helps me be a better friend to those I know that are in it, um, but also just some of the topics I've been able to kind of extrapolate along the way and and apply in various ways to um, my lifestyle. So I really hope that you would stick around. Um, I promise you that this will be um, a rewarding experience. So. Before we get started, I just kind of wanted to give a little bit of background in case you maybe missed um, the previous episode in which Corey kind of introduces me. I've also been on a a few other episodes which are located on the lifegiver.org website under the series First Responder. So if you want to hear more of my story um, in more detail, you can always visit those previous episodes. But I did want to just say I am, um, again, Sarah Foster, and I have been in, um, I've been a first responder wife for going on 13 years now. My husband is on our full-time call-out team. Um, and I am also a homeschooling mom to, to our two boys. So just to give you a little bit of background, um, this has been our life, literally our entire married life. So I started this life off very naive, had no clue what we were getting into, had no clue how to really navigate marriage alone, let alone have this kind of piece of my life um, that I really neglected for a long time. Um, And it was really to the demise of our relationship that um, I just didn't know how to be supportive or that I even needed to be supportive. And it wasn't until... um, my husband got on the full-time SWAT team that I really, things started to take a turn and I really started to see the importance of embracing this lifestyle, not solely as our identity, but that it was an integral part of our lives and a part of our marriage and that we needed tools um, to how to do this right. So when Corey asked me to do this series, the where I just wanted to start was at the beginning. I wanted to kind of start with um, things that I wish someone had told me, things that I wish I had known and things that honestly, I have to remind myself um, as I just continue on this journey that there, this is, while it doesn't have to define our marriage completely, it is an aspect and a challenge to our marriage. And um, had I known that earlier on, I'm really convinced that I could have, we just 
just kind of gotten off to a better start. So that's kind of where my heart is and where I want to start first. But um, just to give you a little preview, though, I do I, I do have guests planned to come on in the um, the next couple of episodes. And I plan to really, I know it may sound a little heavy on the law enforcement side, which is where obviously I'm coming from, but I really have a desire and I'm trying to work on um, bringing in some of the other first responder type jobs and the community. And so we can just kind of hear and listen in on their lives their stories and um, what they've done well and what they've not done well in their marriages. Um, So that's kind of just a little preview ahead. But for this episode, if I could title it something, I wanted to say, so you're new here is what I would call it because I, I kind of feel new coming on to this podcast. And I also, um, you know, I just have a heart for people who are just now starting into this lifestyle because it is unique and it has a lot of challenges. And, you know, there's many ways that you could be maybe starting off into this lifestyle. Maybe you, um, maybe you just, came into a relationship or just married um, an officer or a first responder and they've been a first responder and you're new, but they're not necessarily new. Maybe you guys have been together for 15 years and they have just, your spouse has just done a career switch on you. And now you're, now you're both adjusting to this life. Um, And, you know, even if you're not new, these are kind of going to be little fundamental tools that I feel like I have really leaned heavily on, especially in these last few years. So sometimes it's good to just hear a reminder. So again, if you're not new, I encourage you to just stick around and listen um, and be reminded of just kind of the basics of what can set you up for success. So the first one I wanted to talk about today is communication, which I know that, you know, everyone says you got to communicate. That's the key to marriage. You got to communicate. And Corey has done a wonderful job in the past, um, just kind of talking me up as a communicator. And it's true. Um, if you are following Strengths Finder, communication, I believe it's my number two or my number three. So it does come naturally to me to express myself and my thoughts with words and a lot of them. That does not, however, mean that I have not needed to learn how to communicate, what to communicate, when to communicate. These are all things that just because they may come naturally to some of us, it doesn't mean that we all can't kind of press pause and realize that these are things that need to really just be worked on in a marriage in general, how to communicate expectations, how to communicate um, during conflict, you know, the, the list is endless. But with this job, with First Responder Life, you know, one of the things that we have kind of taglined around here is the only consistency is the inconsistency or the only thing consistent is the inconsistency. And it's so true. And so just to kind of give you a little bit of background um, of some of the things that you might need to, to visit if you are maybe not doing this well, or again, if you are new, um, is just communicating the schedule. I mean, in general. So let me kind of just walk you through my background a bit. So we did just regular um, patrol life, which had, um, I can't remember the name of the schedule now, but basically it was like uh, it was every two weeks, the schedule repeated itself. So it would be like two days on three days off kind of thing. And for the course of two weeks, and then it kind of started over. So um, you kind of learn a rhythm, you learn when your days are off. And you, you and we all know coming into first responder life. Um, and if you don't know this yet, log this one away. Um, a day that your first responder spouse works is not a day really to make plans, or at least if you do to hold them loosely, because we all know that just because um, the shift ends at six, it does not mean 
that they are actually going to be home at six or home at seven or however long it may take them to get home. Um, we, it's almost a guarantee that if you have planned um, especially something with other people, you can bet your bottom dollar that your spouse isn't going to make it home. He's going to be late that night or she or she's going to be late that night. So there's still some things to be learned, but you, you get the, the general basis of, I know when my days are off and I can endure until those days that we have off together. The problem becomes for us, um, when we then went into full-time call out mode that then took any day up for grabs, even the schedule on the days that he worked wasn't consistent. Um, it didn't have that consistency to it. Like I work day shift or I work night shift. It was, I work whenever anybody tells me to work at any time, it doesn't matter. And so that was really difficult. And one of the ways, one of the things that was birthed out of that time, you know, this is also where my heart kind of comes into play is, you know, we, I was, I've always been one to kind of look for research, uh, resources on how to, you know, communicate better or have a better better marriage. And there is so much emphasis on family dinners and so much emphasis on a lot of things that literally we just can't create as first responders. We cannot create that in our home or we, we maybe can try. Um, but to have that consistency of, you know, every night we're around the table, that's almost laughable when you one have someone who is on call out. So even if maybe they do work more of a daytime hour, you never know when they could be called out. Or two, if you've never worked a day shift in your life and dinner is just not an option. And so, you know, the call out days were very challenging for me and they came in strong. It was any plan we made would get, you know, I say torpedoed. It would just, it got to the point where honestly, I, um, really started to dread looking at my phone because it was like, I would be looking forward to something and I would hear that text tone go off. And I would know it was my husband saying, got to work this now, going to, going to do this now, this, you know, Saturday's gone or whatever. And so I'm hearing all this advice about how you got to be together around the family table and all these things. And then every plan we're making is getting, you know, just dismantled and it was hard. And, you know, I feel like sometimes when people present the kind of solution. Like it's like when people realize something that works for them, they kind of make it sound like it's the thing for success. And I really, this life especially has really forced me to be, it's not so much about emulating others that have been successful, but about asking the questions and the right questions and building your life around the answers, um, which will be unique to your service lifestyle. Because even my service lifestyle doesn't look like your service lifestyle. Yet, I think we can all glean something from just asking the right questions, which is, how do we spend time together? How do we find consistent time together when everything is constantly turning upside down? And for us, we kind of started to assess and see that while we may have lost our evening times, we were kind of having this um, time in the mornings where he was home. And so was I. And now again, that is for us. You may be sitting there thinking right now, yeah, my husband doesn't go to work till 10 in the morning, but I leave at 7.30. So this solution isn't necessarily for you, but this question is, which is what time can you carve out um, or what kind of 
loose routine could you find to connect, even if it's just for 20 minutes or 30 minutes? Um, For us, we affectionately called it coffee time. And what we would do is we would boundary our kids and we would usually do that with the help of screens. We would put on a, a show or a movie, let that be kind of their time to watch something that they wanted to watch. And we would sit across the table from each other with our cup of coffee and we would talk. And what will we talk about? You may ask. Well, you know, sometimes we just talk about life in general, or we, um, it's a time for me to kind of maybe if he's been gone, um, and hasn't seen the boys, it's a time for me to kind of maybe update on maybe behavioral issues that we're dealing with, or just stories, funny stories that he missed out on, um, just to kind of catch each other up on what he's been doing and what I've been doing. So sometimes, sometimes it's just almost like storytelling, just kind of sharing um, the past few days, especially if we haven't had coffee time, because that's the other thing. We found this pocket of time, but that doesn't mean that we always have it. Um, but we always try to come back to it as much as we can or carve it out. And, and, and again, hold that loosely, but try to find that that place. And maybe it's, maybe it flips to the evening time. Maybe it, maybe if he's working a bunch of day shifts, we have an evening coffee time after we've put the boys to bed, but either way, the coffee time has just kind of been labeled for a a designated time to sit and talk. And sometimes we, it's like I said, it's just about kind of updating my life. Um, sometimes it is about, Hey, we, it's more of like a planning period. And that doesn't sound fun, but I tell you, when you have limited days off, when you have days that aren't promised, even if those days are supposed to be off, if you kind of go into that flying by the seat of your pants, I think there's a lot of room that we've seen for a lot of unmet expectations. And when there are unmet expectations, there's more room for conflict. So A lot of times we'll be like, hey, you know what? You've got these days coming off. Here's the things that I would like to do or we need to get done. Um, What were you thinking? And this is the time to kind of like look at our calendars, even though as a tidbit, we share a a master calendar, um, which is also helpful when someone's scheduling doctor's appointments or whatever to see trainings, to see all that stuff kind of laid out. But again, this is going off of what do you do when even the calendar can change? And so you've got to have times where you're like, you know what, this has come up or, you know what, I have to work now Saturday morning for these four hours. What do we want? Do we want to make our, you know, we, I think Corey shared before, we kind of have a small homestead, a, a farm. And so a lot of our time off is dedicated to things around here. So maybe if he's got to work now half a Saturday, we're going to make Sunday our work day or just things like that. Um, so we communicate those things so that we kind of go into our days off with, um, with intentional intentionality. Um, and I think that's what this life has really shown me and what you can either really get frustrated with, or you can actually kind of see it as a gift that it makes you be really intentional with your time together. Um, and with, you know, your time off, because if you just kind of let life happen, a lot of stuff is going to get missed um, in all the chaos of the inconsistency. And so when you're intentional with those 15 minutes that you do have to talk about things that might be kind of boring or not very fun, it's actually amazing. I feel like the intimacy that that breeds because you feel like you're on the same team. You feel like you're on the same wavelength to some degree, even if your schedules are wildly different. And so, you know, getting into communication and what that looks like, especially while they're on the job, um, there's not a whole lot that I try to communicate while my husband is actually at work. If I have to, I will call. And of course, you know, it starts with saying, hey, um, is this a good time? 
time to talk? Is this a good time to talk about um, X, Y, and Z, whatever that might be? And you know, what I have needed from him is to say sometimes, no, actually it's not. Because I feel like we have gotten sometimes into a position where he wants it to be a good time, but he's on surveillance and he is half listening to me. And if I really need to talk about something important, I need full listening. So oftentimes I don't really attempt it unless I really need to talk to him. Um, But what we will do to kind of stay on course is we have been known to text each other a list of boring things that we need to talk about. Hey, we need to talk about when we're making our dentist appointments and when are we going to build the chicken coop? And, you know, um, what fun thing do you want to do? Or when do you want to date night this month or whatever? But if we feel like we're missing each other, we will sometimes send kind of out a list of like, not don't want to talk about this right now, but here's some things that we need to talk about the next time we're together. Um, so that's kind of how we navigate just the inconsistency and being able to connect and stay on the same page as much as possible in that same vein. One of the things I also wanted to talk about, because I see it kind of a lot, especially, um, in the team that we are on, you know, full-time call out, um, means that there can be times that obviously they're called out in the middle of whatever family thing you may have planned. And then you don't really know when they're coming home. You don't really know what they're doing. You might have a general idea. Um, and that was really difficult. I will say just as a police wife, when I first started, um, with my husband, because I kind of was raised in the sense of to worry is to care. And that was going to kill me. Um, because we all know if you are not new to this life, you can be having a conversation and get hung up on and not hear anything for four, five hours. Um, and that can be really difficult and very jarring if you're not used to that. And of course, your mind will want to go to something negative. So how we have learned to kind of combat some of that is it really has become a mutual trust. I trust him, meaning my husband to give me the information I need as soon as he has it in a timely manner. So I have asked him, hey, I don't need minute by minute updates, but just let me know, hey, when the search warrant is done, can you just text me SW done? I don't need to know how it goes. I don't need to know anything about it. And I don't expect to hear from you until maybe a few hours after that, after you debrief and settle down or whatever. But just let me know is is in a reasonable time. when it's done, just so my mind can kind of go, okay, check, they're out of that house. I know at least that they're done with that. Or, you know, if they're sitting, a lot of times, sometimes these, you know, officers or first responders will kind of get hung up on a call and they have to be there, but it's not necessarily super action packed. And so even just to kind of update every few hours, hey, still here, just so you know, don't know how long it's going to be or hey, looking like it might wrap up in an hour, but not sure. That's his part of the deal. My part of the deal is to wait patiently and to learn that no news is good news. Having been through a few critical incidents at this point in our 13 year career, I will tell you, um, no news is good news. And when something happens or if something happens, you will find out about it. And I also have found that to be It can be very frustrating, but it also can be a blessing. It teaches you how to live in the now because I cannot tell you how many a night I have wasted just worried in the worst case scenario part of my mind or the times that I should have been present with my children, but I was too busy worried about what might be happening. When in reality, I need to stay in the moment with my loved ones, um, whatever I might be doing, stay in that moment to what I know to be true right then, which is that everyone's okay. And 
if everyone's not okay, then I will deal with it when I know that they're not okay. But in the meantime, I'm not going to waste my time worrying as if someone's not okay. And that has not come easy, but it helps knowing that we have kind of set guidelines that I will hear from him um, when he, like he is working to let me know information that I need to know. And I am going to be patient and I'm not going to blow up his phone. And he's also given me permission to just say, Hey, are you good? Um, but I also know, even if I do send a text like that and I don't get anything back, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not good, that he's not okay. So it's kind of a mutual trust that we've had to, again, communicate, Hey, what do you need to know from me? And you know, my side is I need to know very basic things to just kind of let me check boxes or have a general idea of what's happening. And then, you know, what he needs from me is to not freak out because, you know, he would hang up the phone and I would spend four hours stewing about the worst case scenarios. And guess how I sounded when he would call me back? Not pleasant because it's not good to be in that state of anxiety all the time. And it's just not helpful. So I feel like that has been another good thing that we have really relied on that we communicate well. I on kind of based on a mutual trust of, I know you're going to give me the information I need when you can give it to me. And I'm going to give you the space you need to do your job well and not be thinking that I'm flipping out on the other end because there's just quite honestly too much to worry about in these days. It really is true. I mean, there's too many worst case scenarios and we just got to learn to live in the moment and just know that no news is good news. That being said, I've definitely heard it kind of said, oh, you know, my wife's cool about this. She doesn't need to know anything. And I would just say, if that is how you feel, have that conversation. Hey, what would you like to see from me that's reasonable? Do you want me to let you know when it might still be a few hours? Or, you know, for us, sometimes we can see a call out coming. Um, I would like to know that information. I don't want you to spring it on me the last minute if you don't have to. Um, So kind of just getting, again, kind of a, a baseline of what are our expectations here? How can they be reasonable? And how can we meet each other's expectations to the best of our ability? Um. So that's kind of just what I was thinking about as far as if I I wish someone would have told me these things because I feel like once we cleared some of this stuff up, we were able to be a little bit more successful because what happens is, you know, these are high stress situations and everyone is kind of going through their own piece of it. And what I what I've learned is we can murk it up if we don't know how to communicate well, if we don't have expectations that are kind of being put out there and trying to be met again, within reason. Um, because if your expectation is that you want to know where they're at at all times, that's a pretty high expectation. And that is not always feasible for them to contact you in that manner. If your expectation is that your spouse should just let you do your job and he'll, they'll see you when they see you. Okay. That's a little bit unreasonable when someone is caring about you and there is a lot to be worried about. It kind of, I just kind of see it as I, I know I keep saying it over and over, but it's just this kind of mutual meeting in the middle almost of what can I give you and what can I trust for you to give me? And um, it has just led to so much more success in our marriage and in this job when we can get kind of our own personal stuff at like out of it. So, cause it sucks. It does suck. It sucks to have your plans ruined. It sucks to not know what's happening or to worry um, and be put in situations where you're like, oh my word, like what could be happening right now? Or how come I haven't heard from him right now or her right now? And 
that can, like I said, it heightens your emotions. But if you guys, if we can remember that we are a team and that we have mutual trust in each other to give each other those reasonable expectations, um, it just makes it less murky and easier to navigate. It's still difficult, but it kind of removes the two of you out of it. It's not about the two of you. It's about navigating the job. It's about navigating the circumstance. Um, and it becomes not quite so personal as to why I haven't heard from you or, you know, you're bothering me too much kind of sifts all that out. And it's like, I know that he is aware of how I feel. And I also know that he's going to do his best to give to me what he can. And I'm going to do the same. So that's, if I could sum it up, that's just what I would say about communication is to be intentional with those times. And um, if every day, if your goal is every day trying to check in with each other for 15 or 20 minutes, if that's all you get. And also, again, holding that loosely, that is like the key, hold everything loosely because, you know, of course, it would be wonderful if we could have just this consistent time to connect every single day, but that isn't the way this works sometimes. And we all know that. Um, but if you connect three times out of five, that's not bad. If you're aiming to have it be every day, but understanding when it can't be every day, um, then you're still being more successful rather than just kind of being at the whim of this lifestyle, which will take you on a wild ride. And so if you try to harness the time that you do have, seize the opportunity that you do have and let it be constructive, um, it really can just help create a kind of a team mindset and just create that connection when there are long hours going between when you guys see each other, when you talk. And so um, that being said, what do you do if it's like something you know, it's one thing to be like, okay, yeah, sure. We can talk for 15 minutes a day um, about, you know, calendars or whatever. And that might not get super heated. But what do you do if you have kind of an underlying thing that's brewing? Maybe it cropped up like usual, like right before someone's about to walk out the door, right before someone's about to go to sleep. How do you navigate that? Because I feel like in most cases that I see with most couples that I know, one person needs to communicate it all out and talk it all out and get it all out right now. And the other person is kind of comfortable in sitting in the silence or sitting in the, you know, three days of, we still haven't addressed this. And, and so how do we harness that? And how do we do that? Well, um, because there's a lot of talk to of, you know, you don't want to send someone out the door and things not be well. And for me, that means like, we are just going to hash this out. And that's not always constructive. And the pressure of your time is running out and they've got to leave soon. You know, all of those things start factoring into this already heated discussion. And so I will say some of the things that we have done in times when it's just not the time, unfortunately, as much as maybe even we both want it to be, um, there's too many factors that are going to take something that's already a little bit of a tough topic and make it all the more emotional, which is like feeling like time constraints and things like that. We will say, hey, when would be a good time to talk about fill in the blank? And that just kind of prepares everybody. So I know I'm going into this situation, whenever it might be. And I know we're going to be talking about this. One thing that I found really works for us that when we kind of really hit a wall with a topic that was just really emotionally charged, and we were really trying to utilize every tool we knew to really listen to the other one, to not allow it to get emotional, but it just was. Um, we pressed balls, let him go to work and 
you know, kind of just cool off and like let everything kind of simmer. And we decided not only are we going to set a time to talk about this, we are going to talk about this in public. We are going to a restaurant and we are setting a time limit on it. Not that we're going to hash it out and duke it out and come up with the resolution, but that we're going to talk about this for an hour and we're going to talk about it in public so that we can kind of keep ourselves in check here. And if we don't come to a solution right now, fine, then we're going to schedule another time. Maybe we'll decide if it needs to be in public or not. And we're going to put time limits on it because I think too, again, I don't want to be stereotypical. In my relationship, it is me that could talk endlessly about something and could hash it out. For my husband, I've really had to learn that he processes differently than me. And there's just not going to be very good things that come out of three hour long conversations that circle round and round and round. At some point, there needs to be a press pause. Now, what he has had to learn is, but we do have to come back and we do have to revisit. And so that's where kind of these, again, almost like a scheduled meeting where it's just intentional though. Everyone knows what they're getting into. No one feels bombarded. Everyone's had a a kind of a chance to think about it, especially if you're thinking, okay, you're dealing with this on a Monday and you know the next day off is a Saturday and you know that you're actually not going to talk about it until you go to dinner that night. That that gives you a lot of time to prepare your heart, to prepare your mind, to consider the points that are being brought up from the other one, to consider the other side, whatever this topic may be. And really just gives you, it just gets you off on the right foot as best as you can. So that's kind of one of the ways that we've handled things that definitely need to be addressed, but the lifestyle is not allowing you to to address them. Again, it's just taking that time, being intentional, holding it with loose hands, knowing that even that dinner date could be torpedoed, but we are going, this is on the docket to be discussed. It's at the forefront of everyone's mind and our goal is to get it discussed, but we may have to rework it. Um, I don't know, just knowing those things, especially being the one that needs them to be hashed out has really been a source of comfort and calm for me because I have struggled in times when we have press pause to not stew and go into a really negative place with that time that's been given to me. So to know it's going to be talked about, it's going to be addressed, everything's going to be heard has really helped me not just spiral. Um, and If I am feeling still like, because I'm such an external processor that I really need to get it out, journaling has definitely been a thing for me to just kind of dump it out somewhere and then sift it out. And that way, when I'm coming to this, you know, kind of meeting, which sounds sterile and not romantic, but the deal is these things, when we handle them like a team, they actually have really bred greater and deeper intimacy in our lives because we feel heard and we feel understood and we feel respected and we feel kind of safe even because I know that this is being prioritized. I know we're working towards the same goal. So that would be kind of what I would have to say about, I think, communication just as a whole of, um, there's just a lot to communicate about and there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to work out. And what makes it even more difficult is the pressing time constraints and the inconsistency and what it feels like and the frustration that you can have to to do all of these things, many of these things that I just said, and then have that get kind of yanked out from underneath you. But if you know that there will eventually be a time and a place, there will be a coffee day, even if it's 10 days straight that you've not had one, there, there will be that, you know, time that we discuss that hard topic. Um, 
it can just kind of help you get a little bit more focused and be intentional. Like I said, with, with the time together to not always sit around and talk about boring things. There's plenty of times that we just have really great conversation and maybe those um, calendar conflicts can be kind of just um, ironed out over a few texts back and forth at work. So it's not hard and fast, just kind of enough to give you a general idea of these are the things we should be touching base on, on a regular basis. We should have time to just connect and, and talk about whatever we should have time to talk about deep issues that maybe we need to address. And we should also have time to talk about the boring things of, Hey, when do you want to, you know, what do you want for dinner? Or what did, what would, what were you planning for Saturday or what would you like to do? Or, you know, what are your expectations that you can kind of hash that out and meet that out? So the next thing I want to talk about is something that I've been thinking a lot about and something that I have really struggled with trying to find balance in. And that is, if I would stick with the C's, so we got communication, what I would call it is consumption. And you're like, what? What is she talking about consumption? I am talking about media consumption. One of the things you will hear some of us older wives say, and I really am a middle in the middle here. I know there are many people, many spouses out there that have said, you know, that have 20 plus years under their belt of doing this lifestyle. Um, they will say, I do not watch the news. And that is very good advice for sure. Um, you do not want to watch the news, especially if a critical incident is in fact occurring with your officer. You do not, you want to go direct with the information that you can get. Um, and watching the news, I think in general, I feel like the general population would probably agree. Watching the news doesn't do that much for your mental health for sure. Um, but I started thinking, you know, when you listen to that advice from those who maybe have retired out of this lifestyle and they say, you know what, I never watched the news. Um, it is great advice, but the news itself has changed. We are in a 24 hour news cycle for one. So you can turn the news on at any time. It's not just on at 10 o'clock and, you know, six o'clock in the morning and kind of avoidable if you don't, you know, turn the TV on or put cer certain channels on. It is you have the ability to gain access to it whenever you want. Also, you have the ability to gain access to it via social media. It's not even about now going to your news network or your channel for news or whatever that might be. Literally just on your Facebook feed or your Twitter feed is just a plethora of current events and coupled with comments on current events. And I will say that has been extremely, can be extremely detrimental to our health and our wellness and our focus. Um, and I feel like, so how does that, what does that deal with consumption? The way I have tried to look at this is we have to see all of those things, even when we're laughing at memes about current events or whatever's happening, even if we're laughing about it, it's still taking up headspace. It's consumption. We are consuming that information. And that it doesn't have to be a bad thing. I mean, I kind of liken it to food. So if you think about consumption, it's like, okay, you can have a donut every now and then. Um, should you eat donuts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and for your two snacks in between um, five out of the seven days of the week? 
And of course the answer is no. And so while I understand that there is a need to somewhat remain current and up to date on the things that are happening, um, it can very quickly turn into just overconsumption. Um, and so one of the things that I would suggest and that I have found to be helpful is it's not just about not watching the news. It is about turning off social media and taking social media breaks. And I understand I have a very dear friend who her job is on social media and that is very difficult. So I understand that it's not necessarily, sometimes you can't just pull the plug and I get it. But my suggestion would be if you can to pull it at times, especially when things, you know, it all kind of ebbs and flows and things cycle around. And there are just times that you, that it's just beneficial to take a break from those topics. Um, I've also found, so, you know, it would be interesting. I would need to ask her how she navigated that, especially during, um, you know, the riots and things like that were happening last year. I just completely got off of social media and I actually am still not even on it. Um, I am able to do that. Um, but I know that not everyone is, and it is somewhat challenging to not have social media because we live in a social media world. And I feel like this is where you have to know yourself. Um, I was chatting with a friend the other day and we were talking about something current. And she said, you would just die if you were on social media right now because everything you're saying that's stressing you out is that's all you see on your newsfeed. And it made me laugh because for her, it's easier for her to just kind of keep scrolling and it not take up quite so much headspace. For me, it's not. Um, I'm not saying that I won't ever get on it, but it has definitely been something that has helped me. And here's why. When I like to say the world was blowing up, when everything was getting really opinionated um, at a time that it was directly affecting me, that's the thing. Their opinions have always been there. Things have always, there have been plenty of things over the last two years, especially um, that have been hot button issues and current things and people having lots of opinions about them. Um, but some of them weren't quite as directly related to my own personal life. When we are in a situation like we, I found ourselves in last um, May and June um, of 2020, um, where my husband is working 30 days in a row and is on constant like riot call out. And um, just, and that is the tip of the iceberg of what we were experiencing as far as like, leadership and policy and all, all the things that were happening, that's directly affecting me. It's coming through my door and leaving my house every single day. That is enough to be consuming um, into our marriage, into our family life. It, these are things that we are needing to discuss um, and that are taking up time in our heads and in our hearts and in our minds and in our discussions. And so when I have a moment to get on and scroll and see commentary on things that maybe aren't directly affecting. Um, it just was too much. It was just taking up too much headspace because a lot of these things can feel like we're out of control. We can't control what's happening, but what we can control is the atmosphere in our home. And what we can control is the way we spend time with our family. And I could see myself slipping into 
I was not being present with my kids at all. I was just completely consumed by everything that was happening. And I didn't want that because I've got these two great kids in front of me and I've got this husband that I love and who's hardly home. And I want our time to be as good as possible when those situations are occurring. And the only way I knew how to do that was to shut it off where I could, because I can't shut it off from my life. We can't shut it off from our lives when it's about our lives. And I think that is what um, even some of our military community has been experiencing with just the constant news cycle and coverage of Afghanistan, when that is so as a military family, you are so intimately acquainted with that topic, with um, the, all of the things that come along with that topic. And um, you need those, those pockets of time where you're not thinking about it, where you're just having pizza with your family. We need that. We need to remember to ground ourselves because it's all consuming. And so I think just being aware that it is consumption, especially in the form of even scrolling a feed or even laughing like at the memes. Like I know that's crazy, but like it's still directing all of our thoughts towards this one topic. And though those topics are important and though they are greatly impacting us, they are not our full reality. They are not our full lives. And they can be a source of distraction from the things that actually do matter. And well, I don't want to say actually do matter from the things that we can control and we can impact. I know that I can, I can positively impact my marriage. I can positively impact the future by the way I raise my children. And those are the times too, when it feels like the world's on fire, that you just want to hold those people the closest. And I just remember at that time thinking, I am so thankful for the tools that I had in place because you're talking about someone who deeply resented this job for a long time and already struggled really with the fact of you are leaving us to go be a hero to people that don't want you. They don't want you to be a hero. They don't want you to come. And so why? Like, why are you doing that? Why aren't you here? I want you here. And it was a great um, process of of coming to terms with, you know what? No, um, I want to send you. I want... I want to partake in this. I want to see us as a team. And I was so thankful that I remembered that um, at a time when his very job was being called into question that I wasn't also standing there questioning him. Why are we even doing this? Why I don't want you to go. Like, it's not that I didn't necessarily have those thoughts, but I was really glad that I was like, you know what? We're a team and we're going to endure this together. And he's enduring it differently than I am. He's dealing with things differently than I am, um, but we're a team and I can control that. And it's easier for me to see those things when I'm not as bogged down by just the noise. It's just noise um, from the social media world, from the news world. Um, so I hope that I'm conveying it correctly, that it's not about being absent from these things all the time, but it is about being aware that they are things that we are consuming. And while that might be, while it might be somewhat entertaining sometimes or enjoyable to have or necessary to kind of be in the know, um, it is definitely something we need to be aware that it can very much negatively affect us. And I would say, how do you know if it is negatively affecting you? Um, 
the, the telltale sign for me when I knew that something needed to change, particularly last year, is that I had a deep desire to be present with my kids, but I lacked any ability to. Like, I felt like I had no headspace. I was just glued to my phone and what it was saying next. And I couldn't find that pocket of like, this is our reality here in my home. Um, it was just consuming me. And so I pressed pause on it. And I've, for me, I've never unpaused it. I know others who press pause and, and they're back or they, or they, sometimes they just take, maybe they just take a day of the week that they don't look at it. Um, or that they, you know, will take every month or so they'll, they'll do a week of, you know, no social media or just take a break. But again, it's not about emulating what someone else does. It's about just asking the question, am I consuming this too much? Is this taking up too much headspace of mine that I, that it's negatively impacting my relationships that I actually can control. The ones that I should be pouring into and putting a lot of effort into the ones directly underneath my roof, the ones that can make the biggest change. Um, when we love our family, well, when we love our spouse as well. And when we have, when the world may be burning, but we just, we do, we have that little bubble of peace that we have worked hard to cultivate and we work hard to maintain and we work hard to defend. And, you know, um, I'm going to kind of throw a homestead analogy in here for you. Um, this year I am really good at animal husbandry. I can birth things and process things and grow things and gather eggs from all kinds of living things. Um, but gardens are, and growing plants are just not my thing. It's something that I really struggle with and I'm working towards. And if it is one thing I have learned is you do not just go out there and you dig up your ground and you put your seeds down and then you never look at them again. There is a lot of attentiveness and a lot of weeding out. And so it's really more of, I see these things more as a continual assessment of you know, kind of like a check-in, like, you know, Corey talks about the five minute check-in, kind of like a five minute check-in of like, what's the barometer of my consumption here? And, um, do I need to reweed my garden basically? Cause I will tell you <laughs> the way my garden works, which is not like probably the model farmer way is I weed it out really well. And then I kind of look at it and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. There's a couple weeds. Okay. Yeah. I'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. There's a couple more over there. Yeah. I'll get to that. And then there's a really hard rain and then two sunny days. And I look over and the weeds are literally, I can't even see the things that I'm growing. And now instead of just had I gone out there and just plucked the small weeds when I first saw them, I now have to do like an overhaul where I am plucking out three foot tall weeds over the course of my entire garden, which is taking me hours and hours of work. So what could have maybe taken me 15 minutes is now taking me literally hours. And I don't learn well from it because I literally have like repeated this, that entire process this entire summer. But if we look at it kind of like that, of like when we see little croppings of, ooh, I am not paying attention. I am not very present with my kids. This topic is consuming me. What do I need to do to, to have a pocket of time where I'm not thinking about it? Because guess what? It is okay to not think about things every now and then. You do not have to, to be current in events. You do not have to constantly meditate on that event and whatever that may be. Um, that's not gonna be healthy with anything like to let anything consume you 24 seven. 
um, there are plenty of things that we can think about and focus our attention to. And we all know that replaying a bad conversation in our head over and over and over. How, how well does that work for us? How, how do we feel after we've done that in nursed wounds? Um, we, it's not usually good. So, you know, if we could just kind of continue in the days ahead and, and as you, you know, approach first responder life to just be aware of what we are consuming um, and how to silence some of those voices to just create that pocket to work on the things that you actually can work on, control the things you actually can control. Um, and, you know, just build up our marriages and build up our families um, because they are what help us withstand difficulty. And, Everything is vying for our attention and it's easy to almost give our worst to those we should that should get our absolute best. So I really think that's it for today. Those are kind of the two things that just were on my heart um, in general of just two things that have been pivotal of how to communicate through just the inconsistency and how to not overconsume. Um, oh, one more thing I did want to add in terms of consumption and how to stay relevant because you don't want we know it's also not good to stick our head in a hole. I will tell you, typically there is one spouse that handles maybe that stuff a little bit better. For me, um I do look at current events. I I do check the news. Um I do kind of, you know, gloss over headlines and kind of get the gist of things. Um, and I do, well, like I said, I don't do any social media interaction, but that doesn't mean that that is the way to do it. But, um, I still have some, some things that I, I, I'll maybe look at every now and then, but my husband is just better in general at not getting so emotionally invested into things and information that it's sometimes easier to just get it from him a little bit or like have him, have me kind of be like, what's going on? Oh, this is what they're saying, or this is what is happening. Um, just a real quick blip. He kind of absorbs some of that for me. And so I think sometimes there is one spouse that, and, and so he's the one that has the social media accounts. And so sometimes I will pop on his really quick, especially because, you know, you got to know the hours of the ice cream shop now to, if, you know, if you want to know the local ice cream shop hours, you got to have a Facebook account. So we, to say that we can just completely divorce ourselves from these things is just kind of, it's, it's asking too much in a lot of ways. But so it's more about asking the question, how do we boundary it well? And how do we tell when we're not boundarying it well? And that's going to look different for every single individual, every single family. Um, and I just love that. I love that there is no blueprint. Um, hallelujah. Because I feel like a lot of my frustration with my marriage was trying to blueprint it after this, these, you know, it was great marriage advice, but it was in a vacuum. It was in this nine to five world that I didn't exist in. And so what the message I got from that was, um, so you're not going to be successful. If you can't do it this way, you won't be successful. And that's just a bunch of crap. If we ask the right questions, if we have the right goals, each of us in our families will find ways to meet those goals and to prioritize those things that we want to prioritize. And it will look different and unique for each first responder lifestyle, each military lifestyle. Everyone does things a little bit differently, but I just kind of, I just love that that picture of that it's not about cookie cutter, this is what you do, this is how you're successful, do what I do kind of thing. And it's more about let's ask the right questions. Let's 
Um, check the barometer on our marriage, check the barometer on our family life. How do we do this life? Well, let's continue to ask that question because for every season, it looks different. How do we do this life? Well, we turn off the dang Twitter. That's what we do. That was our, that was our answer for a while, but it might not always be the answer. Um, so we continue to ask it, how do we do this? Well, right now, okay, we need to get a little bit more plugged in. We've kind of been a little bit removed and I'm missing some of the positive aspects of maybe social media or being connected with certain things. So I'm going to let that come back in and then, Oh, it's kind of crop back in too much. I'm going to push it back a little, or I'm going to take a break and clear my head. Um, or I'm going to have a day where I just, you know, turn it all off and, and ask myself, is this affecting me? Because I will tell you, just like just like diet, we all know at this point, sugar is horrible for us and we're all addicted to it. And so it's harder to recognize that addiction when we just continue to eat all the donuts. But if we stop eating the donuts for a while and then we go back to having a donut, we're like, oh, wow, that's really sweet. I didn't realize how sweet that dessert that I loved really was because I was so used to having it all the time. And so it's kind of that same thing. How do we just test the waters and check things to make sure that we aren't building a tolerance to something that can easily be overconsumed and detrimental to the health of our marriage and the health of our family. Um, so I think that's it for today. And I really hope that you have um, just kind of enjoyed this conversation. I can't wait. The next episode is going to be my husband. He's going to come on. And then I kind of have lined up, I think either... Um, I have a paramedic family and I'm trying to um, see if I can't get a retired firefighter to come on with us. But I really um, am just excited for this series. I'm excited to um, just highlight these, the service, this aspect of service lifestyle and, um, you know, the journey that I've been on from just absolute deep resentment and wishing that I could all change to where I am now, which is just loving this culture and loving what it can breed and loving the things that it can teach you. Um, and can bring, it can bring life to your marriage. It can bring such a uniqueness to your marriage. Um, I just am excited to highlight stories and I'm excited to have someone on to just talk to because it, it, I will say this one was a little bit challenging to just kind of get on and talk um, and hope that it is resonating and hope that it's helpful because that is just where my heart is. Um, but yeah, next episode, I will bring my husband on and we will talk about what it's like to be stuck kind of in the middle. We are 13 years in. So we are like, it feels midway, you know, we're not quite at retirement, but we're certainly not new. Um, we're in the middle of our marriage. We're in the middle of parenting. Um, we don't have little, little babies anymore, but we don't have teenagers. And so um, we're just going to kind of bounce around and see where that goes. It'll kind of be like a coffee time that you guys can be um, kind of privy to. And it's not going to, I promise, be any like conflict of uh, scheduling conflicts or anything like that. It'll be fun conversation. And I think that you, I, I love him. And I think that you're going to, too. He is a wonderful counterbalance to me. So I look forward to the next episode and you guys listening in. And again, thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for tuning into this first responder series. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.